Three brasser from Cape Town speaking to people, and those people are speaking back. Welcome to the Don't Know Show. Good day and welcome to the Don't Know Show. Uh, today we are joined by Indumiso Sibanda. You have uh, Remo, Brandon, and Hilton, the three brasser from Cape Town, uh, discussing general life. Uh, with those around us. Um, so, Ndumiso Sibanda, um, mm. a man of many names, um, many uh, adopted <laughs> countries. Um, yes. Yeah. How and, and who are you? What are you about? Who is Ndumiso Sibanda? <coughs> who is Ndumiso Sibanda? Yeah. Mr. Sibanda is, you know, a brother who is, you know, Pan-African is a nice word to use. It's nice to throw around, so I'll throw it in my mix. I'm a Pan-African guy, you know. I grew yeah. up I grew up local to Cape Town. Then I became local to Johannesburg. And I've always kind of felt local to Zimbabwe where I was born, although I didn't spend as much time there. So I'm just like really African in the context that I, you know, I guess I we had two presidents growing up. There was one president who, you know, we could vote for every five years and one who just never left, you know? Some <laughs> 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 stability, you say. <laughs> yeah, right. <bro. laughs> stability. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I, 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 I love it. I definitely consider myself a Zimbabwean South African, someone who walks both paths equally you know i you know both countries have had difficult times and i rep them both and i enjoy yeah. them both one day i look forward to being able to share my skills across the continent um but Dumiso is a South african guy who grew up in cape town i i always through and through just to shed some light so um Dumiso and i went to school together um we went to uh school in cape town a junior school we then moved to a high school, middle school, high school as well, and we matriculated together. So we've mm. basically known each other practically all our lives because we obviously stayed in contact and whatever, what have you. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, Doom, you you you've studied film and media um, at various institutions, as the yeah. UT, I believe. Um, you now have become. A film director. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me how how has your path been thus far? Yeah, man, it, it it was an interesting path. It was an interesting path. So be, because I've always had, I've always had, I guess the parents I've had, Zimbabwean parents, and the context of this is that, um, in Zimbabwe in the eighties, you know, education was such a big thing that you know people really pushed the education thing. So for me and film, the expectation of doing film and being part of the film society wasn't one that I guess uh, I would have expected to come easy. But when I told my parents about it, you know, they were cool with it. But as long as I got it with some kind of piece of paper, not just like, you know, uh, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, ah, I've been visited by inspiration. I'm a director. <laughs> I had to substantiate it. And oh, that yeah. substantiating came from... Um, a school that I had to study towards. So there's a school called AFTA. I think they've got one in OBS and they've got one in Johannesburg. 
So after I matriculated, I was like, yo, I need to just put some space with the parents. I went to Jersey and it was a great space for me. I got to bake myself a little bit. Jersey was like, yo, man, you know, it, it was so much flavor in a different way because I think, I think, uh, you know, as you get older, you get your eyes open up to different things and differently. Yeah. And, you know, obviously having lived and come from Zimbabwe, you know, Johannesburg wasn't a full shock for me. But if you if you're someone who's never lived in Zimbabwe and then you go to a Johannesburg from a Cape Town, you'll be like, yo, wow, I'm so surprised to see, um, you know, black people at a certain level or past the ceiling that they may feel in in, 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 in Cape Town or in other places, whatever, 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 whatever. So yeah. when I got to Joburg, I was like, damn, okay, I see this. I see this. I see this. I study this thing. I enjoy studying this thing. I can see that they are working mm-hmm. um, black directors in the industry. It's not just a figment of my imagination because at the end of the day, they've asked me, you know, substantiate this thing with a piece of paper, but I also have to sleep well at night, you know. Yes, I'm inspired. Yes, the inspiration does visit me. But to be honest with you the real thing is will there be a gig at the end of the day and i think mm. being in johannesburg i was able to see it materialize for people i was able to see it and then oh man situation i got tb dropped out went to a different school finished there came back hard so the journey for me to working as a director is one in which i really wanted it and yeah. i think i wasn't going to let anything stop me even even any illness or any failure or whatever Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Can uh, I do with Zilton here? What up, um, Can you just tell us uh, uh, your, your career path with your work itself? Like, any cool... Uh, as you said, you inspired any cool works that you have put out recently? Or yeah, man. Past? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, I've been inspired by different things at different times. So, I've had really cool jobs based on based on this this path I've been on. So one of them was I was lucky enough to be the official filmmaker to the Proteus cricket team at some point. And that would take me around the world with the team. And we would shoot awesome stuff, awesome content with the team. But on my days off, I would film something in the country that we're in. And one of the films that I filmed um, was in a... a was in Melbourne. It's like a, a series I wanted to get off my chest. Like I found myself as the long distance love guy. And I was like, you know, <laughs> this, like all my relationships, you know, I suddenly get a really cool gig after I meet a really cool chick. And, and at the time, you know, I would always choose and, you know, fine. At the time, I'd always choose the gig. So I decided to make a film about long distance relationships. I shot it in Melbourne. It's called Love, Love, Love. Each love is spelled differently. And it was so cool because I met my actress and my people on Instagram. That was an amazing project. Um, A really amazing project close to my heart was in Johannesburg. um, In Johannesburg. Fuck. Oh, sorry. In... um, uh, in, <laughs> That's fine. Go for it. There's a big problem of gender-based violence. Big problem yeah. of gender-based violence. So there's a friend and celebrity. Her name is Tulufelo Masego. She really wanted to express herself in a way that she, you know, adorns her debele attire and mm-hmm. you know, just being the woman she wants to be. 
And we decided to not just take photos of it. We decided to just let's make a film where you go from Randburg taxi rank and you get into a taxi, you know, let your Africanness hang out, your breasts hang out, be you. Yeah. Count the money, go from here to here. And let's address these things with the power of, you know, being able to reshare it and discuss it. And we did it. I shot it. I followed her. It was so deep. It was so real. People's... Re- reception to the whole thing taxi drivers gave her the front seat i mean uh <laughs> yes obviously they did but you know it was yeah. it was interesting how they 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 received her in a way where they were like you know it's so weird you know it's so maybe when i think back on it now but at the same time i was not her she received and she spoke to me and she was like you know they were like yo this is a real woman you know yeah. you know um Obviously, I'm unpacking it now, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know, these cats, these cats were, um, you know, obviously men have their own gaze, you know. So I'm gazing their gaze, trying to yeah. be like, ah, were they really that righteous, you know? But at the end of the day, I think being able to make that work, and I think put it into a space where it was, it 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 played at a few places in the states, a few film festivals. People argued for it, studied it, and looked at it in certain ways that really provoked the idea of what filmmaking is about. Um, so a lot of the work I've recently done has really provoked an, an idea and a sense of a sense of self. I use I think filmmaking as poetry, and that's how I've been using this 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 canvas so far. I mean, that's just but a small. P- partition of the work i've i've really been blessed to travel the continent and film under the carpet in in in, you know in over 40 african countries and each one gave a little something something you know yeah um and the photography that came out of it's just my sense of self you know i wish i wish you could see i wish i could share with you some stuff but i think by description i think i once found myself um in a jungle in cameroon photographing a group of 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 nomadic short people i think pygmy is the wrong word that's the word they use but nomadic people with i guess uh historically short ancestry oh, and yeah. photographing them in the bush where they are you know it was so deep and surreal we tried to interview them but there was no one to translate so you know sometimes where all you can do is take a photo take a few photos and i think that's part of my most successful series of images you know just mm-hmm. depicting them you know it's 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 beautiful it's beautiful it's beautiful yeah. your, your your photography becomes a medium or the language that actually tells a story so you yes actually need vernacular or words just you you're actually your artistry can actually mm. portray their story so i think that's very cool ah thanks um, brother so just a follow-up question um from young, obviously you said you decided to film. What in, what inspired you? Were you always um, heavily like had affinity towards uh, moving motion pictures or directing or photography? Um, so yeah. what was your initial inspiration or your initial drive to uh, pursue um, the career? You know, yeah, you know, it's. I think I think every generation obviously gets asked that question, and I think it's coolest for us right now. It's coolest for us right now. I don't know if us includes all of our ages because we can't see each other. But let's assume, <laughs> let's assume we went to Sabe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's assume yeah. we Sabe, you say yeah. Sabe, we're all around the same age. because We're, we're all around the same, same age. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Now, we lived in a pre-Twitter time. We lived yes. in a Twitter time. We lived in so many variations of ourselves. We lived in a time where 
there was a gig where someone came around with a camera called thunder.com took a photo of you at a party <laughs> and there was a response and you, you you would wait for that picture we've gone yeah. from like like all sorts of buffering and waiting and whatever and we've gotten to enjoy a sense of privacy controlled privacy etc um I guess I just I just wanted to touch into that before I answer the real meat of the question. But <laughs> representation matters is what I'm getting at. Yeah. The representation, I think, allowing your kids to touch something, no matter how minute it is, um, if that gives them a glimpse of of the future, then that in itself is amazing. So why I said grew up in the '90s, my parents, my mom in particular, had come from Zimbabwe. Yes, they had studied, they'd done their thing. So she got an internship. One of her early jobs was at a company called Ogilvy. Now at Ogilvy, um, I think she was to handle the casting tapes. And so they would do casting and she would maybe do the casting tapes or whatever, whatever. And she got to bring the camera home one time. Oh, cool. <laughs> I remember pressing record. I remember shooting my little brother who was freshly born, who I felt superior over. I was really allowed to exhibit, I guess, all sorts of weird shit like, yeah, let's make a song. I make a song. He's in it. Uh, my parents are walking past. They're in it. I'm shooting with this thing. But I think the power to stop recording, press record, play something back and being able to control that, I think it was forever planted in my mind that this has got potential. Even if I would veer off, it was one of the uh like a bicycle riding thing like i can ride it like a bicycle it was one of the things that i could tap into like yo man that thing was dope that shit we did when we were five that was that was some cool shit man <laughs> yo standard two yeah <laughs> yeah i think you said you mentioned in, in an article that um both your parents were great writers um mm. and they were also into storytelling and also you mentioned in, earlier that they were sort of cool with you going into into like going to study something as long as you got that piece of paper that was in in a more creative field which mm. is super rare especially you know with parents of color that's mm. it's not a common thing let's, mm. let's be honest about that so like how, how much um of getting that support how much did that sort of um give you so, even further sort of motivation and 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 sort of that fearlessness to just go in and go and create things yeah you know it's again to speak to when i grew up so quite often i was the only black guy around <laughs> you know and this is quite an interesting thing to say or there were very few of us and it's not to say that you know you're someone who's always in this type of place but quite often you may be exposed to different things or you have to stand up for yourself differently different yeah. quite often do you know what i mean yep by the time you know, my parents had gotten to know about me wanting to be a creative. They had seen me make creative solutions along the way in many different forms or another. Do you know what I mean? So um, my father, who had played rugby, etc. in my school, I played a bit of rugby. I did it. I spoke to them and my nature and who I wanted to be. And I think they appealed to that because what they had studied was psychology. And I guess them being young parents, they could actually maybe see the metamorphosis of what they had studied coming into play. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. You bring a lighty from that environment, you put a lighty into this environment. Clearly the choices of that lighty will be such and such, and perhaps they won't be such and such. So they were playing the chess, and I guess what followed was my choices. Yeah. So creativity was one that if if they didn't like the choice, it would be really against the grain completely. 
Agreed. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, mm. and then you went into so they you know they asked you to be an institution, and again something you spoke about in in one of the articles was institutionalized understanding of photography, and mm. so you got your background right, you got that sort of fundamental know-how, and then you moved away from that into what you call shooting the fields. Um, mm. Could you like unpack that that, that statement, like shooting the fields? It's like a very cool way of putting it. Just for everybody listening, how how did how does that translate into your work? Okay, so shooting the fields for me is it's you know it's it's a combination of three things, and I think a shooting the fields is is the, there's like an established way of shooting. There's perfect lighting. There's or or what someone institutionally decides is perfect lighting. But, you know, quite often these things don't, you know, cater for darker skin tones. So the perfect photo is for you to expose for the sky and then you'll just overexpose the skin tones. But I preferred at the time to expose for the skin tones and always make the people look beautiful. And at the time that would be at the expense of the background. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But it was it was about finding that balance. But at the same time... <clears throat> pushing what was interesting to me. So shooting the fields is what, like, how I felt. But now, and I think the biggest part of shooting the fields for me is about proximity. You know, they, you can easily be on a nice long lens and capture a photo that becomes a postcard that goes away and lives mm. for a hundred years. And yes, it did its job and it was lovely. But then you can have proximity. Now you go on a wider lens and you now put yourself in the situation and everything you learned in the institution is gone and it's yourself and the subject and it's more of a how you are in that scenario. And it's either you're going to get the photo with them not having shifted their own personality based on your very presence because the camera itself takes away and makes people different, right? So when you keep coming back to a subject over and over, eventually you are almost invisible to your own, I guess... Uh, pedestal within that society and you're now one with what's going on there and in those points you're shooting the fields man because you aren't no one is playing for you and you've developed a relationship and your proximity is no longer something that is just picked off on a long lens but you're feeling and you're photographing and you're now receiving from the guest who's in your image so it's not just a gaze now but i think it's a it's a back and forth between yourself and the subject that is that is for me there is the feels so the institution out the window and it's yourself and i guess your own either you know nature i took this photo once at the end of ramadan it was 2015 end of ramadan we had been driving for the past month through islamic countries <clears throat> well is predominantly Islamic countries on our way to London. So I think that that puts us at Guinea-Bissau, Guinea, Guinea-Conakry, you know, so this is this is a, a Portuguese-speaking country, uh, but also mostly Islamic, but they speak Portuguese because the Portuguese colonized them. Then the other one is slightly French. Then the other one is this. So now we find ourselves in this weird little in-between in the border now. We drove past no man's land. We, we realized that there's no border here. We have to sleep. Otherwise, if we find ourselves in the dark here, we don't know if we're in no man's land. We don't know what could go down. So we end up finding some little spot at the edge of Guinea-Bissau. Now, this is, we've driven into the next country, but we're too scared that we might drive too far. Then someone says, where's your stamp? And and then we're like, <laughs> we don't know, you know? So we decided to drive back and stay where we could hear this language. But it also coincides with the end of Ramadan. Now, 
a flower blossoms, bruh. Imagine everyone has been concealing themselves in 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 in, in the spirit, in the spirit, in the spirit, and then, yo. The best clothes came out. The most beautiful African clothes came out. Mm. Kids are coming out, you know. It's golden hour almost in the evening there. It's beautiful. Everyone is just happy. Everyone also, their skin is beautiful, you know. Mm. They've gone through the month. They've gone through it, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, it's Mubarak, bro. It's, it's yeah. there, you know. Yeah. And these kids, I'm at the garage, not too far from where we ended up staying. Worst hotel ever. We ended up sleeping partly in our cars, but it was Mosquito Central in that particular place. You know, some places you just rush to sleep and where we were was bad. So we just, I ended up taking a stroll with my camera. Now, this is the proximity game here. So now these kids are walking around. Obviously, I'm, I'm just near the petrol station. There was a little kiosk there. I come out. These kids have congregated, you know. Now I'm just chatting to the kids, you know, talking, 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 talking. And these two brothers look like similar ages and I get on my knees and I, you know, I, I break my own rules. I say to them, smile for me. But obviously they don't speak the language. So I, I, I gestured to like my face and I do like a, it became like a weird joker thing. I pull my own lips apart to force a smile because I think I was also tired, man. But I was also trying to be like, you know, see how this goes. And they do the exact same thing back to me. They pull the joker thing and they also pull their face and they f- split with their two fingers. And, and it was like weirdly scary, but I laugh and I laugh loudly and they laugh and they laugh. And this succession of pictures was just such a beautiful moment that you know, you you can't get unless you decide to like almost de-escalate, decolonize, you know, de all these yeah. things and just put yourself yeah. in there and just be, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, Doom, just just on that, um, the way you talk about uh, letting go of institutionalized uh, knowledge or information that you learned, um. Have, have you seen yourself, what in your previous um, life has actually pushed you to break away? I know you needed to get that piece of paper as early as your parents, but what pushed you to break it? Was it just your your, your, your your rebelliousness or your fearlessness? Is that, that just in your personality or or is it something that you, you saw you had to go to to become a better, to go and better at your, or your art or your trade? Do you mean actually studying itself? Did I think I needed to study in order to present, like... To progress, uh, just what what pushed you to push the boundaries? Obviously, most ah. people study something and they stay within their lane or within their p- parameters mm. that they were taught. What what pushed you to go past it? Was it was it the need because you wanted to progress further in your field? Yeah, or was it just your personality and and who you are? I think I think I think it's a combination of both. So, atmosphere also encourages personality. At the time, we're so young and impressionable that. Mm we can decide to settle because maybe the coals were not hot enough or we... So at this particular time, what was happening was that um, I had been at this school for a couple of years, but then I had failed. And then I'd gotten... But I'd gotten tuberculosis, so I'd failed. So... I decided to study again, but now I'm just studying now because the parents want the paper. I haven't yet tried to push myself anywhere. All I know is that the only goal currently is the paper. But at the time, I'm working in OBS. There's this spot called Sushi Zone. I'm a waiter there. I collected my tips, and I used my tips to shoot a music video for another rapper at a place called Tagore's. Now, the video was cheap, whatever. It cost like 700 bucks. But I think 
I kept empowering myself with whatever I thought I needed to do to get back to where I was because my peers had left me behind. Yeah. I had left because of TB or whatever. I'm a waiter now. People are studying. At that point, you know, on paper, you become someone else. You just become mm-hmm. caught up in this waiter cycle. Sometimes my old brother would come through and now I'm serving them, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I wasn't serving them like I felt like I was losing out. But, you know, I was playing my music. I was serving sushi, whatever, whatever. I knew what was going on. But my point is I'm connecting my tips and i'm shooting a music video for the guy on the side here because Mm. my real interest is that yeah and then when i go back there i need to do this right so i i yes i think what drove me was the hunger to not be left behind the and and which is a big thing i i I think Mm. maybe i don't know if it's fair to acknowledge this but i i think for me in my thinking i'm not i'm a firstborn I'm a firstborn, and what that means is that is that uh, you know if 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 I come from a home where I'm a child of divorce, in which I am, I'm also a child in which, as the firstborn, as a child of divorce, you're also a child of I think heavy shoulders, you know, mm. or a child of expectancy. So my my expectancy for me was also something that that fueled me, you know, that usual, you know, I guess the 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 greek psychologists would say mm. stuff like you know what what freud and what what but i i think <laughs> <laughs> but i think what i'm trying to say is that all those pressures amount to you trying to resist failure at all cost mm. which isn't always the best thing because i i find at the time it was amazing at the time it was amazing because it allowed me to keep pushing myself to a point where i would stand up in a meeting and say something for no reason except for the fact to motivate for something that would make something better and no one else is saying it that it needs to be said. And that type of hiss comes from somewhere. Sometimes it comes from a really good place. It comes from a place of survival sometimes. For me, it was always survival. Um, there was once this place I, I used to work for top billing. Now, top billing, before I, I, I got to a point where I could talk about it out loud, I was this person who was just there to research. As a researcher, I would make sure that Warren Wilkinson comes in every week at a so express or breakfast show, actually, not top billing. Warren Wilkinson comes in every morning around 10 o'clock. For the next week, he's going to talk about investment planning. And he's going to do this. That's his whole plan, content plan. I was this bra. And then at the end of, I think, two months, a meeting was called and they asked me, well, rather, they asked the floor. Does anyone want to say something? Everyone was talking about their grievances. What is What works? What doesn't work? It was the end of the year. It was 2010. It had been a year. You know what I mean? Oh, and hey. then they they say, anyone want to, want to say anything? And then I stood up and I said, yes, guys. Um, I feel like... You, you know, I'm a Swiss army knife and you guys are only using me for the toothpick tool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to me. Nice. And at the time I had just finished studying. So, yeah. you know, maybe studies had kind of given me a false sense of, you know what? You are a director. You don't have yeah. to make anyone coffee. You have yeah. tried this. <laughs> and usually, you know, the rite of passage is to make sure that you are the apprentice. But I yeah. think something had switched there. And I think all my waitering days when I was waitering there, I had been the apprentice and I just didn't want to get stuck in that thing. I was just driving a week later from that meeting. I was in Joburg setting mm. up the Johannesburg office of, of, uh, of Express or breakfast show. And that was the beginning, I think of my new path pushing there. So saying that in that meeting had pushed me to another meeting. They took me to the head office. They said, okay, cool. So you're a director. Well, we need someone to go and set up the shop in Johannesburg. 
So there is an element here of being at the right place at the right time, but at the same time, when when opportunity comes knocking, be ready. Yeah. yeah, be willing, but also provoke opportunity because you can't always just be like, "I'm ready with your hand up." You gotta mm. be like, "Like, yo!" Yeah. And I think that's one of those moments where I was like, "Yo!" And if it didn't come like that, I promise you, it was gonna come another way because I think the fear of fear and failing was a driving force that made sure that I was not going to get left behind, especially, especially when, you know, so much had gone into this thing. I think it's sacrifice. There's no privilege here. The privilege is knowing that that I think my parents could dream so big because dreaming is a privilege. So my parents could dream so big and they were able to dream. And as a result, they were able to know what and when to sacrifice. And it was always hard, bruh. It was always Mm. hard. So as a firstborn, you have to make sure that you convert. You can't just kick for poles here like it's gainers. You have to yeah. convert. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I think it's super important what you said. You also said that you you ask for what you think you deserve. And I think for a lot of young people out there, it's super difficult, especially if you just like graduated from university and people everybody tells you that you should just be for this amount of time, you should be carrying coffee or doing being an intern, especially in, in the fields, creative fields. Um, yeah. Uh, what's it? Um, earn your stripes, or you know, you do those sorts of things. But I think it's important. Two elements of what you just said is that you should ask for what you think you deserve. Shout it from the rooftops. Make people hear. But once you get it, because sometimes you get it. Like you could have easily been in a situation where they said, "Okay, you director, go and set up the Joburg office," and you were like, "Fuck, I didn't know that was gonna that we're gonna say yes," and you'd be fucked because you didn't know how to do it and you didn't have the the, you know, the drive to go and actually make that a success. So I think the important thing for takeaway from what you just said was you 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 had the passion and you had the, the, the balls to say, I don't think I'm being utilized to my fullest capability, but then also be willing to put in all that work to make mm. that a success because mm. you can ask for it and they can give it to you, but you might not make a success of it, right? Exactly. So I thought that was a super important thing just to put out there for any young people listening. But um, what we have now is one of our favorites on, on this uh, podcast, which is our speed run. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's well known through other pod- throughout our other podcasts that Hilton is a world-class assassin. Um, <laughs> and he's, cu- he's currently on the roof of your neighbor's house um, with a high-powered pow- rifle. It's not okay. lethal. But it's gonna fuck your lounge up. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so we need you to answer this quick and fast. Or you're just My gonna, fingers on the trigger. Or you're just okay. gonna, gonna do what so many governments and clandestine organizations have paid him to do over the years. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, number one, favorite film of all time. Favorite film of all time right now is Mother of George. Favorite favorite musical artist of all time. Favorite musical artist of all time right now is Cindy Crawford. (laughs) What? (laughs) Cindy Crawford. What? (laughs) She did do. I think she did a song, so it counts. I I think she did a duet with a mole. (laughs) I think she did something like that. Okay. Favorite. It's a a rainy night in Georgia. (laughs) That's Randy Randy Crawford. Randy Randy Crawford. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yo, I don't know why I'm going there. Yeah, this is so deep. The shotgun, dude. It's gun on me. Favorite Randy country. Favorite, favorite country we ever worked in. Favorite country we ever worked in was 
Ethiopia. Yes, it's a tough one. Jobo or Cape Town? Today, Joburg. Okay. Okay. And the last one, and this is going to decide whether we remain friends after this or we ostracize you for the rest of your life. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. Oh, yes. That's the guy. You've won. Hilton, put the gun away. We'll do it another day. Oh, man. <laughs> At least we saved on bullets. <laughs> okay, dude. So that was our speed run. Um, and maybe we can even look at that because I've never heard of the movie. Um, what was the movie film that you said? Mother of George. Mother of George. Mm. I've never heard of that movie. Yeah, man. The DOP is amazing. And what's launched him? It's that, it's that lovely black cinematographer in Hollywood, Bradford Young. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. He's, he's dope. He's just... He's just dope right now. He's just dope. I'm looking at. I'm actually looking at it right now. Yo, I'm actually man, gonna watch. Yeah. I'm gonna give this a, a watch tonight. Um, cool. <clears throat> and so like, there's also like the advent of like uh, digital in the digital space. YouTube, mm. TikTok, uh, mm. uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, mm. Out of you, because you've come come from the time like you we were speaking about earlier, we. Like, all of us grew up with no social media. I mean, we had to walk to our friends' houses if you wanted to know if they were here. Use that, that sort of thing. Uh, the payphone. Yeah, use the payphone. What's that um, mm. thing that was the card that we had? The, the, the phone card. Yeah. Yes. Because I remember I got a, a, a universal, a, a international phone card once. Nah, I and wow, I cool. was a I baller. <laughs> baller. <laughs> I was like, you know, you're walking around with the international food sticking out of your pocket so the killers can think, oh, that's what I'm calling out. Next level. <laughs> Next level. If you wanted Flexi. to call America right now, you could. You could. Yeah, that was option. the power. Yeah, that's the power. That's <laughs> next level flexing. If you wanted to call somebody in America, he you could. could. Uh, so, <laughs> and that's just because my mother bought it incorrectly. She was supposed to buy the other phone card. She bought it wrong. <sighs> so, like, Man. yeah. Anyways, those coming in, like, have you seen... For two questions. One, mm. how have you seen the industry change with regard to to that sort of thing, YouTube in particular, and, and also to a certain extent, or I think maybe a little bit less extent, TikTok, um, with regard to your industry, and then also just that blowing up for everybody being able to film anything? Mm. You know, I, I, I think I'm many levels. And, and again, yes, I come from that era. But I'll also say this. I think more people of color have a voice now than ever, mm. ever before. Mm. More people of color have a voice now, even by accident or incidentally. I, I, I think the invention or the invention of social media videos has really created something of a phenomenon. It's a beast that I think will require taming at some point in the way it is but i think it is highly important to know that people have jaws people have mouths people have voices people can speak and i look at it because of how it's brought things to light that would have otherwise just been swept under the carpet injustices so that's how i see social media from that perspective in terms of myself um i think i was very happy to ride the early waves of of, of, of how I utilized Instagram. So when I was lucky enough to do a road trip from Cape Town to London, I utilized Instagram in a way that really fulfilled me. I met where I wanted to in every country I went to. I messaged them on Instagram. I then made videos that lived on YouTube. And at the end of the trip, we had 40 million views. And for me, that was really nice social media ring. But at the same time, I really got, I was never in the moment. 
you know so i i think as a growing person i think i i it was between the age of 25 and 30 so it's maybe 27 28 i've spent two years on my phone blogging doing so much doing all this taking photos behind the lens i just think i got like spiritual fatigue in a way that i've never been able to fully reconcile my overall enjoyment with trying to keep up i don't feel like i it's important to try and keep up anymore outside of uh you know Outside of outside of that image, you know, you know, putting that image up for people to see. Yes, it comes with likes. So maybe those likes sometimes call me, but but it's 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 also it's nice that your stuff doesn't die on hard drives. And knowing that you love to take photos, you always love to put it up there. But I don't always subscribe to the culture of how things go up. So for me, I think the way I've taken in social media. And the way social media is used are different animals. Um, but I've of late I've limited it. I've closed my Facebook account. I've cause it, it it just became too much for me. So I don't personally feel like I need to keep up because I'm working to get to a point where I think I shut up I shut down all my Instagram and I just release work. And the work itself goes goes around. It's the goal. You know what I mean? It's the goal. Mm. Definitely. Um uh, yo, <laughs> So from what you said, you've traveled 40 countries or more. Any cool stories, funny stories you can tell? I'm getting later to Proteus thing. I don't know if you signed the NDA once you left Proteus. Uh, <laughs> I know there's some mad stories involving Ooh. some, <laughs> some well-known players. Some juice. But, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's just start with, with some mad experiences. I know you spoke about the time, golden hour after Ramadan, but any other mad experiences across your travels? Hmm, I'm trying to think. Mad experiences across my travels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yo, yo, yo. When one tries to... I, okay, well, I'll tell you an interesting one. I'll tell you an interesting mm. one. Oof! Wait. <laughs> okay, fine. So, so my... My very last trip with Top Billing was to the Seychelles. Now, what's interesting is... is A, it's... Oh, man, okay, it's interesting, but it's it's also gonna give everyone chills. But it's it's maybe four months before Valentine's Day, twenty thirteen. It is the end of twenty twelve. The guests are uh, Oscar Pistorius and his girlfriend. Now, oh. yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. 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 Whoa. Wow, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> we all know true, true crime stories. <laughs> Yo, but, yeah. but all of all everyone in SA was like. Ooh. <laughs> so now we're spending seven days or five days five to seven days in the seychelles mm. and uh so it's cool you know we've we've been there we've, we've been there for a few days obviously at the time he's still golden boy the girlfriend her name is samantha and so at the time, you know, I think I've, you know, we've all read all these stories at the time. So he was, if he was seeing Reva, he was seeing, he was seeing her behind Samantha. Anyway, the speculation is not the story. The story <laughs> is that we end up on this beach in Ladig. Now, Ladig is a beautiful island. You get there on a boat that is, or rather on a plane that is no bigger than, 
than two stretched out people, you know, and you got like eight seats. It's little, it's mm. tropical, mm. it's lacquer, it's that vibe. Yeah. Best of the good life. <laughs> and it's that vibe, you know. <laughs> so we're on this beach and the curry is flowing. It's the most beautiful mix of cultures that have mm. ultimately made this curry over hundreds of years. Yeah. And it's in front of us. I said, Oscar, listen, brother, do you, do you want a beer, eh? It's like, but listen, I don't drink beer. Yeah, fuck. Let me tell you, the last time I had beer, I had beer. Okay, so it was a couple of my mates, and I remember we got really, really drunk, and we went next door to the neighbor's farm, and we started shooting livestock. Jeepers! <laughs> wow. Yo. <laughs> Red you flags. Know? Red flags. Red flags. But I, you know, I'm, I'm just also thinking. I'm just also thinking. You know. Hey, you know, hey, black guy, first time leaving the country, um, South Africa. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, the Seychelles. You know, this is, I guess, I guess that's how rich people party. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. fly in little boats, you shoot livestock. You know, and 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 I think, I think it, it was one of those shocking things that a few months later you start saying to yourself, no, yeah. no, yeah. no ways, bruh. Yeah. You and you're looking through your photos. And you start to sing little things that, yeah. you know, and you start to say to yourself, but hey, hey, Oprah. And then the BBC wanted photos from me. So for me, that's where my, I didn't give them photos. I wasn't trying to get involved in that. It was deep at yeah. the time, you know, but, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a story. And that was, that was, that was, that was interesting. And I, I think that was deep for me. I, I, I felt betrayed by my hero, but at the same time, I was also like, yeah, man, this is, is that how rich people play? I was like, oh, but it's like, yo, man, I, I didn't know, man. It was deep, it was messy. So that's one of the stories. That's messy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the situations if you were a Kalitani, um, you know, the Kalitanis would be saying, mm, yeah, you're for your receipt. You know, yeah, the evidence was there, yeah, bro. You can see that I like this, a bit evil. That was that story. I, and I, yeah? I feel there's another one coming. I'm just uh, say. I'm trying to, 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 I'm trying to go through them, you know. Yo, we had so many, <laughs> we had so many little stories because there were times where we had to, so it was a crew of, we were driving two cars. Mm. Now, driving two cars is just always a difficult one. So, my man who I went to school with, Songi, Songi's in the other car, I'm in the other car, and then there's another car. Eventually, cars get separated. I have to go ahead because I need to shoot content. Yeah. We end up being split for a month. Now, oh. <laughs> now, what he goes through, he goes through his own, yo, but he goes through his own jungle stuff. We were left with a credit card. We had a good time. <laughs> Let me tell you, Gabon is one of the, the most amazing call. places ever. Woo! It was just, it was just amazing. But on the flip side, you know, we're hearing stories of, okay, cool. The transmission's gone. There's no roads. We have to build our own roads. Okay. We've just cut down a tree. We're moving a kilometer every day. Things are getting better. This is a month. We are on the other side. Life is good. Um, bags have been stolen. Weight has been lost. So now the people whose bags were stolen have lost so much weight. The clothes they had, they're like skeletons of themselves. But it was very interesting that, you know, they emerged. We shared stories. But I'm trying to think, man, what other stories do I have in my travels? I, I think, I think... How did you lose you know, each other for a month? Was it oh. bad, bad traffic? What? Yeah. No, it, it was... It was it was positive planning. You know how the way social media unfolds, the trip had been planned. So for the camera guy 
to be left behind would be like, okay, cool. We expect you to be on the 25th of October over here. And you always had to keep this continuous thing because we were passing a rugby ball from Cape Town to London. So it was like a trip that we always had to be a part of and take this rugby ball everywhere. Um, and that was that was quite an experience. I think as a whole, we just... It was it was it was it was so deep. I, you know, there's a photographer I met. His name is Malik Sidibe. You know, he was like Instagram the '70s. But I met him in in Mali, in and it was just so amazing. I, it, you know, it was so surreal. It was so surreal. I I I try to think of individual stories, but I I think it's 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 weird. You know, when you go from country to country, you don't always have time to change your SIM card. So you found yourself always in the moment. It wasn't like a quick social media fix. It was yeah. like, I, I don't have data in this country yet. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm here. I'm on the ground. Um, but the images I took, I think certainly, man, I, we, we, we were on a beach in Senegal and these guys were wrestling. It is single-handedly one of the most powerful things I've seen in a nation that is wrestling as its number one sport. Yeah. It was, you know, people like Adibayo buy gifts for the winners of such events. Yeah. 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 It was, so the photographs themselves have become iconic. Um, a series of them. I, 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 I really enjoyed traveling the continent and learning about our people and different types of people and, and different warriors and different foods and eating foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, 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 if a story comes to me, I'll definitely shout and say, yo, I remember this. <laughs> I remember this it happened. <laughs> Do, um, um, go ahead, Hilton. Uh, no, go, go, go. Um, Doom, do, let's let's uh, talk about something um, regarding the the different industries or well, the, the same industry in different um, locations. Job again, Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Which is better or understanding to a black director or accepting a black director? Let's say director of color in this case, because I think they were out yeah. very similarly, very, very similar. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying it, you know, in this particular case as well, I think we both have ceilings. Everyone's got a ceiling in Cape Town. Yeah. And that ceiling, I feel that ceiling. What are the differences? Well, I realized this. I used to be this, that guy who stood up and said, yo, I feel like I'm the toothpick. Remember that meeting? Yeah. And I was in Cape Town. A week later, I found myself in Joburg, okay? But I found myself in Joburg, and then new conversations came up for me at the time. It was like, okay, sure, what salary is the Joburg person's salary? It started popping up. It didn't pop up initially. I was told, this is your salary. I was like, yo, okay, okay, cool, okay. And then I found out what directors were really earning, okay, <laughs> um, around that period of time. And I was like, sure, fine. So I worked, I worked, I kept working, I kept working. My probation period also meant more money, but I kept breaking new ceilings of what it means to be there. And then eventually I would get promoted again and I would get more money because I was doing another show, an extra show. And then one day, uh, part of my part of my retainer at the time was that every month I'd get a free ticket to come home to Cape Town because as far as they were concerned, they had moved me out of my comfort, but no, they had taken me back into the fire bus. <laughs> and, 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 and I was in my element. I was in my element yeah. and I was suddenly in this world where, yes, I'm back in Joburg, cool, the place where I got tuberculosis and left, I'm back. Also, I'm working, I got this gig. But I went back to Cape Town one time. They were like, look, man, we need some stuff shot in Cape Town. Can you hang out with us for a month? 
So like, okay, cool. You know, this isn't the fire, but okay. And then I think it let slip by someone. And, and I realized that at the time I was the highest paid person in my field mm-hmm. because in Cape Town, it was okay to pay someone so much. It was okay. It was okay because the general acceptance was to pay someone so much for whatever they did was okay. Uh, do you know what I mean? But because I had gone to Johannesburg, maybe I had I, I was suddenly seen as different type of silverware, or I was either able to say something, or the general expectation was X, Y, and Z. But I spoke up when it came time to speaking up. But I think what's important here is that in Johannesburg, I was often able to speak up more often. You know, whereas I know I find Cape Town often feels like it's one negotiation when you're immature, when you don't know how to negotiate yet. I remember once negotiating something, I was at the end of Cape Town, I was at the end of my tenure at City Varsity, and then someone calls me and they're like, yo, listen, man, most deaf is coming. Most deaf is coming. He needs a promo edited. Yo, now I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) most deaf, it's a promo. Come to my offices in Harrington Street. We'll have a chat. Yo, it's huge. It's the guys. I get in there. Okay, cool. I can see Reiko, my man. Reiko's over there. He's like this DJ. He's hot stuff. Um, You know, it's just, he's just got that vibe. People got that vibe. There's graffiti on the walls. This is the place. So now I had no life experience. And the question that was put to me was this. Um, so we've got this promo we're doing. Mind you, I'm not really an editor. I studied editing. I can do editing. I enjoy editing, but I'm really a director. But that's not what I'm trying to say right now. Most def needs a promo. How much do you want? <laughs> um, 300 bucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You heard it. That's what, I, that's what I said. 300 bucks? Because I, I didn't know. I had never, ever, I had no departure point. Yeah. I had no departure point Ooh. from from what is not schoolwork yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to what is real, and yeah. and I think when, when I got into that reality that that also there are people willing to pay you three hundred bucks, I left that meeting and. And even me, I'd all started to be like, no, and do me so. No, man, no. And I told them, no, listen, guys. Okay, cool, 300 bucks. But I started, and I think I just started to just get flustered, whatever, whatever. And I think there, I think I got a bitter taste of Cape Town in a way that gave me that fear of being duped. Remember the fear of failure? Yeah. This was now the first time I feared being duped. And I think it would also lay rise to whatever I spoke of in that meeting years later as the toothpick thing that, that listen, people are going to ask you, you have one opportunity, never ever say 300 bucks again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joburg, yeah. Cape Town. Joburg, yeah. Cape Town. So currently, my speed question was Joburg, Cape Town. And I said, right now, Joburg. And, and, and I was in Cape Town last week. And when I was there, I had the most amazing time. Someone said to me, you enjoy it like it's a, you're a tourist. And I was like, you know, to, to be honest with you, I am a tourist. I, I, it's not the Cape Town of, 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 of when I said 300 bucks. It's not that Cape Town anymore. Now, literally, I go to Cape Town, the higher car for me. I, I I argue if it's a quid, not any hate on quids, but I argue it because I feel like, guys, I don't need to be given a quid right now. Um, I'm going to be here for a week or whatever, whatever, or whatever. But these are things that, that I come to Cape Town and really enjoy being in Cape Town because I'm Dumiso. Someone wants me there 
because I am me. So it's not 300 bucks anymore. And I think that's what I get to enjoy. And one day, the goal will be that I can live in Cape Town, earn what I need to earn without the fear of my ceiling, because I still feel it. I was on, as a director, I was on set recently shooting something, and I was the only black HOD, head of department. Yeah. I was the only black guy there. And I think the closest black people there, um, or rather people of color, closest people of color, are so far away from me that they themselves come to me and say, you know, are you an extra? You know, and, <laughs> and they say these things. And yes. when I need to park, my parking has got a special designated parking, right? Yeah. But the expectation is that a blonde guy is going to rock up here yeah. and he's going to look directly. Yeah. I rock up in a shirt with so many colors and a, a, a you know, and a, and a face that looks like you just want to say, Hey, you know, and clearly, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but that, that parking is not for me. And it's when I say yeah. I'm the director that there's even through the whole day, someone will just be like, yo, that's the director. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> someone, I finished lunch early and I went back to set to go look at it and plan and think of my shots. And I got to, to set and someone had clearly been told that you know watch this set don't let people back on you yeah. you know <laughs> but, but, but obviously the people that can come on are the people that are you know that are oh, yeah. running this sh- it's my set yeah i i get back to the set and uh i walk in there's another guy who is also way down on the ladder so we look similar he's busy tying something in the corner but he's been doing it for a while he's seen me all day and then suddenly this guy comes to me and he says, he says, well, well, what are you doing here? What's your, he's looking. And, and now he's genuinely wanting to know because whoever told him, you know, just don't let anyone here. I maybe fit that description or whatever. I'm there walking around, looking inquisitively at stuff, planning my shots, looking really ridiculous. Like I'm sizing the place up. And then the other guy, the other guy caught wind of this. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. And suddenly that old God respect, because directors used to get this old God respect, God, G-U-A-R-D, that old God, the old carriers yeah. and keepers. Yeah. They used to get this respect that really, you know, they, you know, they used to get this respect. So for me, this guy from the old God is like, no, 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 no. Suddenly I think the environment has to defend me because I started working in the environment where as the director, I'm the director. I don't need to go around saying it. I feel it. I know it, you know. But I think I also walk around with the stigma and the reality of that. I walk into spaces that are often not always where people have walked before me who look like me. And yeah. as a result, I think that's where I often see the ceiling between Cape Town and Johannesburg. Definitely. Definitely. Just, just on that, um, Abdul. Just... Mm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a message from yourself to any young person of color aspiring to be where you are now. Just a few tips or a few um, words of encouragement. Because obviously right now, there's obviously probably a lot more people of color trying to get into the space you in yes. than before. Um, opportunities are, are, are more available right now uh, than mm. before. And also kids are allowed to dream now. Before there, was, there wasn't a, no chance that, exactly. that someone... Uh, some way of sound of color would dream of being a director or, or, or really pursuing a career in, in, in the creative field because I just, first of all, your parents tell you there's no money in it, rather yeah. than yeah. become an accountant, rather than become a doctor. But oh, yeah. what would you say? What would be your, just make it your three top tips? If there's more you can give, but 
just to to Three narrow it top down. Tips. Yeah. Okay. So to, to anyone who may be studying now uh, in your field, um, <coughs> or someone who's in school who aspires to go into this field, what what advice would you give them? Okay, cool. I'm gonna give advice, um, and it's gonna be like this. Usually, advice is like to any young up and coming. I'm gonna say to any is aspiring or inspired people who want to become directors specifically if you are young but you're never too old in this regard but specifically if you are young look we live in a beautiful time and the beautiful time is this a we have platforms that don't require us to have a key that someone fought for before they were told they could become we literally literally can have an audience or rather we can upload stuff that upload power is really important because now um in my days you know, no one had a camera. No one could get this. No one could get that. Now you can shoot something, which means you can tell any which part of your story. So access no matter what. Maybe that's my third point. I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that just now. So three is access. Number one is just going to be tell your story no matter what. Okay. I didn't always start with a camera in my hand. So directing is a byproduct of wanting to tell stories. It's a vessel of knowing that I want to tell stories. Directing is just a position in a far bigger role of many things. Quite often, I am someone who holds the camera to tell my own stories because there was no money to get the six or seven people it required to make a crew. So I am my own crew, which means you've got to do. If you've got your story, just do, okay? So... We live in beautiful times where I think we are so accepting of access. Earlier on, we answered a question that said uh, access, uh, or, well, well, rather it was, it, was, it was what is institutionalized photography? And I said access and proximity. So two, if, or if someone is able to give us access into something new, access, proximity, you don't need to be in an institution because you yourself know the surrounds that you're in, right? What you need to do is give us access in the best way. And then after that, any institution will take you because they will be privileged to try and shape you. But even if that shape doesn't come, upload your voice. Right now, we are so hungry, but we're also so tired of people of, well, I'm going to be very clear. You know, the biggest tellers of stories are white people who tell people of color stories. You know, you go back in time and you look at a lot of the dramas on TV, the credits, you know. The title will be Mkondisi, which means director, but the the name is um, um, uh, Wilhelm, and, <laughs> and 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 you know that is because they knew the craft and they're directing yeah. the story. But what they did not have was the proximity to the culture. So now, as the time, stand up and say. I've got proximity to the life I live and tell your story because, you know, far too long we say stuff like, you know, uh, history is only remembered by he who told the story. So until the lion learns how to write, history will always remember the hunter's story. So we're, we're always saying, you know, we need to be the lion that learns how to write and tell the real story of the hunt. So that we're not, you know, suddenly some spike on the head two generations down. And it's like, no, you know, they, they grew up on spikes. No, <clears throat> we grew up roaming. So the idea is that tell your story of roaming and where you play and who you are, what you expect, what you do. Um, so 
I think three was access, two was proximity, um, and one was tell your story. So let's do it in reverse. Tell your story. You know, you have the proximity, which is your surrounds, and access comes in so many different levels because we've got access to tell things. And then from there, once you've taken a bite of something, I promise you, you will redefine what access is. Your jaws will unhinge and your idea of access will get bigger. Your idea of abundance will get bigger. You will then have the guts to say, let me get one more person to join me. I think it's better if someone holds a flashlight or let me get three more people to join me. I think it's better if we have a duel. And now you're expanding on an idea where it started off as a singular. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to rebuild a brand to come in there. So, no, I, I was going to jump in, but uh, so you know, dude, that that is very inspiring, especially coming as someone who has obviously walked the walk. Um, on, on that, the follow-up question: that what challenges where you are now? What challenges do you see youth having breaking that ceiling, as you spoke earlier on? Um, do you see any challenges? Do you see as open market or? How do you see a pathway for for someone in the current environment, the way things are now? Yeah, man, that's very, very real. So <clears throat> I'm going to say this. I think it's difficult because I'm going to say directing is a big privilege. It's a big privilege in that uh, in the way I do it currently. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the way I do it currently, if I don't work, I don't get paid. And not everyone is willing to open up their marketing budget or non-existent marketing budget, so to speak. So quite often that means that I go through long periods of time where um, my ability to dream hangs in the balance between my ability to eat. So because the arts is always seen as a byproduct or something, you know, uh, you know, something for later, something Mm. afterwards, artists today contend with the paradigm of the fact that nothing is super exclusive anymore. So because there are a thousand cameras around, there are always a thousand perspectives and stuff. Whereas back in the day, someone put something out, you know, word of mouth, people are really trying to get their hands on this. Now you've got to do so much more to stand out. Um, What was the question again? It was, (laughs) what are the parameters? What's holding people back? What what are are the, what challenges or what are the, so challenges are challenges are I think individuality in the sense that um, standing out is only a challenge to people. Who, ah, I don't know, it's a weird one. Eh? Standing out is a big challenge because standing out is harder now. Everyone is has the opportunity to do this thing. Okay, so it's a challenge to be significant to others as yourself, and quite often that means people. Um, don't get to realize their own internal artistic talent, um, which means you yourself don't ever get to express yourself in your field as much. Maybe you might just become a number. I remember hearing someone say, why don't we just get a black director? You know, because a black director is a type, right? It's not, let's go get so-and-so where they say you by your name, because that's an artist. So what's happening now is that there is, it's harder to become your name or let your name get the pedestal it deserves because there is so much happening. And I guess unless you're utilizing all the platforms accessible to you, 
with the intention or you're refining your voice with the intention to stand out or make the work that stands out, it is a tough landscape. But there's always solutions to toughness, right? I think if I'm going to talk about the parameters, I must talk about the, the solutions. And that's not just one parameter. I think another parameter is definitely... Um, you know, people are, are poorer now in the sense that, um, people are poorer now. So it's, 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 it's harder to expect someone to not work for a little while, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's dedication to a particular thing with so much around you that has to inspire you or so much you have to do is still the same as it was back then, you know? Mm-hmm with yeah. all the pressures you have now. So all those pressures you have now compounded with this, this, and that, I think it is so hard for you to define yourself as a youngster today that you almost have to start defining yourself younger. You almost have yeah. to do what, you know, do, like, like, like I guess we're doing, and it's not about putting, you know, or, or, or making sure our kids are, have a thousand photos taken of them, but I, I think it's about orientating our kids with an idea of life younger so that because now when they skip a couple of years not knowing what they want to do they with so many people joining the field so many doors knocking you know unless you define yourself early for yourself if you can and have the opportunity to you know everyone's gonna be taking that place dog everyone's coming through (laughs) (laughs) you know um so so yeah 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 it's tough be individual you now more than ever we have to travel if it's an opportunity like travel even leave your town if you can get a bus ticket somewhere go get just just people need to leave because i i think i think a lot has got to do with us uh yeah. do yeah we yep. lost him. i think we lost him for a second is it the up is going to get him Yes, it's, it's just that. Okay. It's just that. So, yeah, I, I was telling you that I was hoping it wasn't going to happen. It was moving faster. Uh, hello? Yeah? We can hear, hear you. you. Um, but I'm still here. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, this message is message too quickly. It's so, just my screens. It's just my screens that went off. My laptop still has power. No, we can hear you. So and, and your Wi Fi is still on? Yeah, my Wi Fi is not going to go off anytime soon. Okay. I think he disappeared because he has one tick. And it's it's Joburg's load shedding. Could be. No, but we didn't think this phone would still be on, would it? Yeah, it's fine. And this is Wi Fi. I'm trying to get this clean feed to my laptop screen. Oh, wait, let me just do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can finish off now. Yeah, I actually have a pile of questions. No, um, ask the questions. Yeah. Um, I, we can just finish after those two. Guys, leave me in the lurch there. No, I was, gonna, I, was gonna ask, I was going to ask the question and then I thought, now, okay, you had a... Nah, I waited like three seconds. No, I said nothing. Sorry. Nah, nah, because I had to... I was, I was on mute. I actually asked the question. And then I, asked, I put my thing on mute so that I could try and sort out the UPS thing. Um, but then I was still Doom, I think we can he's coming in and out shit man that's gonna take some serious editing <laughs> this sure. podcast yeah um, yo 
Ya wey. Yeah, no no, something happened there. I think the echoes back, am I right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But the, the Bluetooth headphones died. Oh, oh man. man. Um should we try and finish this tomorrow? Like just for like 15 minutes? Can't you finish it now? I'm just going to listen to my shit going off. But and again, use, like, and, and the use headphones instead also. We can just do like quick fast. Do you have wired earphones? Yeah, yeah, there's wired ones. Um, This, yeah, let me just check the wired ones. But this can charge for like two minutes and be cool for 10 minutes. But let me just also yeah, that's get fine, the wired yeah. Yeah. Let me How get the ones real quick. Can we just check my foot there? Oh, now we're Gucci. Yeah, we can actually salute. Yes, we actually salute. Yes. Mashallah. I'm actually kind of happy that I connected the mic and everything to the laptop as opposed to anything else here. And you know what I thought through? I didn't charge this UPS fully from the last time. Uh, your face is on 99%. Yeah, because you got the monster. <laughs> Yo. Yo. Oh, yeah. Peter. Okay, cool. Proper. Yeah, sorted. All right. Oh. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> Are we going to get into some, some lighter conversation? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm ready for the prettiest, the prettiest tea. I, I'm ready for some light conversation. I just, I just want to touch on the other stuff that you were saying about like, um, I think a, a big part of, and we can move into some lighter stuff. Um, I think a big part of it also is finding your voice as a creator, like myself as a, like, as a writer, it took me quite a bit of time and life experience and like going through some shit to have something to actually talk about and have like a, a, a story to tell or something like I want this to be the story I tell and something you're passionate about I don't think it's a, like an easy thing to do and I think anybody going into that the, the creative sphere must understand that it's a pretty like tough hmm. um, existence sometimes especially when shit's not popping off you're feeling a little bit creatively stifled or I mean that's some stuff I've gone through yeah or, 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 or you, some people just don't give a shit sometimes people just don't care like um i've had several meetings in fact in this year with some some companies and the idea i've pitched has been butchered and so sometimes i mean you're gonna be like no I, i'm that's not something i'm willing to like um, make any concessions on and other times you're like okay cool we can you know we can work around some stuff so i think it has to be understood that number one um, you need to understand who you are and your, the voice that you want to portray or the art that you want to portray to the world and then also understand that sometimes it's not going to be like a situation where okay just because you love it everyone else is going to be like okay cool let's do this and when I say everyone else I'm talking about the powers that be you know the uh, the white whispers <laughs> yeah, so yeah it's cool um, yeah, let's move on to the uh, the long-awaited Pertia story. Mm, yeah, no, I agree with everything you said, man. I agree with everything you said. 
Ja, en nu wacht ik voor dat Protea T. Ja, spot. Protea T. Dat is een spot. De Protea T. You know, it's interesting. I... <laughs> how how, how yeah, was it? Ask a question. <laughs> how was it basically just getting into the whole team? Like, did they, did they have your initial buy-in? Was it like, did you have to like? Yeah, the... I think I, I, you know, well, getting getting to that gig, it was based off my previous travel experience where I I did the other gig. So at that mm. point, I think I had the credentials to apply for the gig. So that was the first hurdle crossed. It was one of those gigs that a friend of mine was like, yo, man, listen, this company is. And I was like, cool, that could be cool. Went through to it, interview happened, but it's beyond that. I think the proteas are a culture yeah. and and uh, a culture of so many different types of things that have often come at that culture since we were young, right? Like mm. if, if if we talk of sub A, we obviously talk about Hansi, you know, yeah. <laughs> we talk about all sorts of times. Yeah. So I think it was a, it's, well, it is a stage where they're very wary of newcomers, you know? Um, and again, being that guy who's also that guy who stands up in meetings and says those things, um, I also got there day one saying stuff in meetings, um, but it was in the change rooms and the buses yeah. that I got to connect with people, you know, mm. laughing. And, and, and I, think, I think all those times where I spent five days in the Seychelles with Oscar, who was at the time so-and-so, and then at the time, just being around, I guess, that type of show, just being around people, I guess, I wasn't for skrik for lack of yeah. a better word, yeah. over people's names. And you could really get to enjoy someone on a first name basis or a nickname basis. And because of that, you could laugh at stuff, you know? And yeah. I think knowing when to put the camera down was a big thing. And because of that, one got to ease into these relationships and really be real with people, you know, be real with people. And that's how I got to, I guess, enjoy it. And it wasn't just a job for me. The stories, I, I, you know, <laughs> I didn't have to say anything. Yeah, no, 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 you didn't. So it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have those type of stories in the sense that you know you do sign an NDA. Yeah. <laughs> I guess everyone, everyone's got a book coming out, and yeah. those will be left for the yeah. book. So I did sign an NDA, but I, I, I think, I think I've got, I've got, there was a wisdom thing that I took from it, a really dope thing, and it was based on. AB's captaincy and Faf's captaincy and being so close to them at revolving times where, you know, it was just d d d different types of things. And I think it's potentially something one can think about. And that is like, so at the time, AB is AB. AB is like, you know, what? Achilles. That's yeah. AB, you know? And then you've got Faf. Faf's Hector. Okay, I guess I guess in the conversation of, of of what it means. So what ended up happening, I always noted was that you know a captain like AB is able to you got to be like AB twenty four seven. You know Achilles can only be fought with and by Achilles. Strong people, people like the days of Callus. People, you know, he'd always been in that environment where you know you're playing next to someone and they are so-and-so-and-so-and-so. On your left is so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Yeah. And together we are the mighty so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Yeah. So that's who he was. And then you've got someone like Faf, who comes from a different era where, I guess, you know, um, 
a lot a lot more interference or your team was decided for you based on historical disadvantages or whatever you did not side whoever you wanted to or whatever you decided whatever so faf faf utilized a lot of what was around him Mm. to the best advantage so far for the type of captain who could make you your best self and together you will all win where yeah. I, I always felt like the brilliance and and well well ab required you and he pushed you to be brilliant but you required you needed to have come brilliant on the day so yeah. we could all be brilliant together and that type of captaincy is something i carry around that is what type of leader do i want to be in positions um is that a leader who can best utilize the tools around me or do i want to put myself in positions where everyone around me is a juggernaut and we're going to excel properly in terms of stories man it's so funny i went to so many fines meetings i, I don't know if you guys are into fines culture do you guys know yeah. fines meeting culture yeah, we know yeah. yep, way yep. too well exactly exactly so so you know what i mean once you've been in fines meeting cultures and seen everyone messy unless you've put a century over people you can't talk about it and all yeah. you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah no, i don't understand i was expecting much but you still gave us a decent amount of info there i think maybe we should talk about brandon's last fines meeting we had with unfittables <laughs> we don't talk about that. Oh, we don't. Um, yeah, sorry. We, <laughs> we, we all signed an, an NDA or something. The Unfuttables, I love it. Yeah, remember that team, guys. The greatest uh, sports team that was never. The greatest, <laughs> the greatest team to ever have um, graced the walls of Claremont uh, in nice. football. Fast <laughs> football. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> what a team. Um, Yeah, so we we're talking about like, obviously you've got tons of stories, tons of memories, and and tons of people that you've like interacted with. Mm. But has there any ever been a time where you've met someone and thought, oh fuck, this guy is an idol, or this guy is somebody that like you know you were like starstruck? Hmm. Okay. So so l- l- let me tell you the, the levels of some of the people. Obviously, five days in the Seychelles with that guy. Is is, is 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 you know after a while you start to see it a certain way, but then I've spent a full day with guys like the Hoff, going around hanging in cars with the Hoff, and I've seen people's responses to him. I think that's when I kind of felt like, yo man, this guy. But he was really old, you know, when plastic surgery is pulling you apart. So for me, it wasn't him. Let me see though. There has to be someone. So what else? Uh I've been in in shadows of places. So the Man United changing room, obviously, yeah. where you're holding, you're touching the Pogba jersey, but obviously it's not the one. So that's the yeah. ghost of the people. The Proteas would have been it, but you're with them all the time. So it's like they're the Proteas. I'm yeah. trying to think of one. <laughs> yes, it was. It it must have been definitely now this is different so you know i'm the guy who said randy crawford or cindy i said randy crawford early on because <laughs> i i linked my favorite memories to moments of significance from memories you know road trip music whatever whatever you know if you if you don't ask me again now with some time i would say yo kendrick but i think i answered from the spirit then that was really nice so i think i think i think there was this guy i met in mali and he died a year later having met him shook his hand and photographed his sons with him is probably a gift that is so amazing i was starstruck because of how I orchestrated the whole thing imagine you hear you're in a country and you hear that you can go and meet um let's pick a name who is it you can go and meet 
Who owns Who owns Def Jam? Uh, what's his name? Russell Simmons. Sh- now it's a it's a shitty one, but I'm just saying. Imagine imagine Russell Simmons is a big deal, and you're like, I can go meet Russell Simmons, and that night you end up in Russell Simmons' house, and someone's saying to you, he's just eating. Just he'll come out now. That process of event leading to meeting that person, photographing that person, and for me having captured something that will, can no one can ever ever have. I'm starstruck at the thought of it. I was starstruck then. Um, um, but fine, to answer your question, it sucks once uh, Brian McMillan yes. came to fetch his lighty. Oh, yes. <laughs> his lighty he, 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 he used to be there as well to stand at one. He came in person. He was tall. And yeah, man, that was it. You know, we'd never I met our heroes that. back then. But yeah. Do <laughs> uh, I, 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 I believe that you were given a, a name. Um, by a Nigerian Yeah. King. Is that no. oh, so, she's a she's a chief. Oh chief, sorry, she. Uh, okay. she she her name is Madame Nike Okanduye and she's like a curator and an artist, you know? Yeah. And at the time I was in Nigeria and I was interviewing this lady, amazing. And she just thought I was just talking English the whole time, like you know, these these fucking oaks, they leave here, they go just <laughs> learn English, they forget who they are, yeah. they you know. And afterwards I was like, you know, it's so good to be here, you know, as 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 as, as someone born in Zimbabwe. She's like, You're not from here. And then she says, Oh, you know, <laughs> from now on you're Omo Wale. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Omo Wale, what does that mean? And it means means the son has come home. I, I was I, like, yo, that's man, cool. that's so warm. That's just yeah. so... It's like, yeah, the sun is coming. The whole time I thought you were Nigerian and I thought, this guy, why is he not giving me, you know? And mm. I was just, it's lovely. And, I, and, and I've always believed and loved the title that we're all Nigerian. And it just mm. speaks to the bravado of individuality and individual people. So it's not mm. the stereotypes of negativity. It's just how it's just so interesting like when you some of our favorite actors we see them on tv every sixth person is nigerian there used to be a joke <laughs> and, and, and and it's just it's just it's just a way of just saying that you know i'm I'm always trying to go against the grain of xenophobia in every context yes um yes. and just speak to the politeness and upliftment of all our shared experiences i think it's important to be individual but i think it's also important to be together and yeah, yeah man yeah man let's celebrate yeah like i kind of have a follow-up question if you have time just a, a light it. one so it. like do you think that because we went to sex um and we've got introduced it's sort of like a melting pot of, of different cultures and different races and stuff mm. it sort of made us accept people more easily than others if i can say it in that way that do you feel like you 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 accept people more easier that you have no pre- um, prejudice against others like you, you, you're more comfortable question. that's a very good question you know you know it's it's very interesting i think there is a difference in this. So the difference is sometimes one can be in an environment where even if they are the butt of the joke, yes. they don't know the joke exists. Therefore, they can wholeheartedly enjoy themselves. And maybe years down the line, they can look back and say, hang on, but actually <laughs> <laughs> that was not a good scenario, yeah. you know? And, and I speak to myself 
there were many times that I look back on these days where I'm like, you know, man, that was some swag stuff. But in yeah. it, I was a happy child. I yes. grew up in an environment of competition where if you were not good, shut up. And that spoke to all the lighties. It had yes. nothing to do with where you were from. It's how fast you ran or couldn't run. But yeah. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're all going to go home, right? Mm-hmm. The game is... Tomorrow, when you come back, what do you carry with you? And I think a lot of us back then never carried where we came from when we came to school. So we would go home, would carry the weight of home, whatever it may be. It could have been an environment that was really bad or really whatever. But when you got to school, you all had this tie, you all had this whatever. Yes, there were white kids and black kids. And yes, people thought about you in a certain type of way. But you yourself in the scenario... Um, if you saw an opportunity for singular definition, not redefinition, because you never saw yourself as someone who was needing to redefine, you were defining. Every step was yours to make. It was yeah. later on or that you started to realize that, damn it, the ceiling. Every time I look left, there's like five cats there who are just saying, no, nah, man, I was born in here. I was born there. Whatever it may be. I'll tell you an interesting story just for a, a really quick one. So when we were young, we used to have this kid. I won't say his name. This kid's name was so-and-so, so-and-so. Okay. So-and-so will be called Jack Jackson for now. Jack Jackson was a good friend of mine, right? We used to go play at Jack Jackson's house. Jack Jackson's mother and father were divorced. Jack Jackson's mother used to say, you know, Ndumiso, you have such beautiful eyebrows. You have these beautiful eyebrows. And, you know, and I'd be like, yeah, you know, I've got beautiful eyebrows, you know, they're lovely. (laughs) Jack Jackson's father was married to this um, lady from Vietnam. Jack Jackson's also white. So I remember when I went there, we'd gone there to all go play. It was a party that Jack Jackson was having, you know, parents, Jack Jackson's dad. And when we got there, um, we weren't allowed to go inside. We played outside. We weren't, I know, I know, I know. We weren't allowed to go inside. Um, and then people would quietly joke like, yo, can't even go inside. Cause dooms. Yeah. But it was a joke at the time. That's why I'm saying it was a joke. My hands are up. But then on the Monday, when I came back, as soon as I went home, they were, the kids were all allowed inside. And when I look back on this, you know, I look back on this. Yeah. I giggle at it. It could be funny. I went home not knowing the prejudice. Um, you know, looking back on it now, I know the prejudice and, and, and I feel bad for my situation, but I, I also feel happy that I did not grow up with a level of resentment that I think ultimately would have not allowed me to have a good base of calculation because it's good to know the historical imbalances of a situation. But at the same time, when all you're led with is anger quickly all the and it's good to have anger i won't lie to you don't you forget it but don't be led don't be led with anger when you know how beautiful beauty is and how lovely love can be because all you're doing is really praying to the devil so i i i i see it as as as, as some things that we manifest negativity when we do certain things but you know you, you go to certain places and certain kids knew that they weren't allowed in there because you know, Jack Jackson's mother or parents knew they were black. And those kids, every single time, they knew they weren't allowed to go places because they were. So to answer your question, Brandon, um, I think being at Saks allowed me to easily, um, I guess, I guess, in a way, enjoy and turn off a certain part of my life 
with I guess the Lord's timing mm. <laughs> and 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 it's only later on that I felt like I didn't have because at the end of the day on sports day we were counted by our times right yeah. we were celebrated by our celebrations right all these things made sense and on saturdays when we played saturday sports in the morning we all got there in the cold it was whether your first team or not and everyone made a gauntlet for you the difference yeah. is though did your parents come and watch you yes and then you realize that oh hang on there aren't many parents of color here coming to watch their kids because <laughs> they work on a saturday and things yeah. unfold after a long time so it's about the gradual information i think how things mm. happened um also to find the answer to your question being the kids of parents who come from zimbabwe zimbabwe got independence in 1980 which is i'm not going to say it's a big advantage but it's at least a 10-year advantage over what it means to finish studying and then move somewhere so i never Never stayed in a township. I came to Cape Town and my parents were at UCT and we stayed in Rondebosch. I went to UCT Crash. I did all those things. Uh, we had a neighbor who would just watch us and smoke a cigarette because we were not allowed to be there. RV beer vibes, you know? That was the vibe. But it's only in Zimbabwe that, you know, we would stay in areas where it did, like, I didn't feel like it wasn't a township, but it was a rural area. But in Cape Town, I, we're staying in Rez with my parents. They go to a new res. I'm this lighty growing up around res. So it was a, a definite, you know, I, I grew up in a Smolinyana blanket. Um, but trust me, when I think back on it, you know, that blanket was yeah. was just nicely, thinly veiled. I'm glad I didn't know that kids couldn't go inside because I was there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... I think, uh, yeah, to touch on that point, I think there is an element of like, for some of us that like, maybe didn't go to those nicer schools and that sort of thing, we we sort of have an, uh, uh, an approach of, or a lot of my friends and myself into a certain extent, have it like, oh, fuck those motherfuckers, you know? As mm. in, like, fuck those bitches. I remember mm. actually going to St. George's mm. Grammar um, when I think I was um, standing, matric? I was matric, yeah. And for mm. chess, for chess um, thing, we played the, our 18 played the 18. And we went into this library that looked like it was some other fucking Hogwarts. (laughs) 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 Somebody somebody, came to the gate and like escorted us there and uh, gave us fucking an option of coffee or tea or juice and biscuits and shit. And we were like, what the fuck is this? Because um, best believe you're not getting that shit if you come into my high school. Like, you're sitting in a prefab building, you know? And so, like, going there, you could see, like, the difference. And even within our team setup, right, like, we smashed them. Um, because, mm. and, it, and it wasn't just, like, like, school chess at that time wasn't a big deal for me, but that day seemed like a big deal to me it seemed like I'm going to murder this bra mm. like um, yeah and and, and and the guy I was playing with somebody of color he was a colored dude just like me <clears throat> in fact I got to, got to know him later on in like junior trials and stuff but it wasn't about the color at that time it was just about the, the socioeconomic difference between us and them mm. um, it, was, it was definitely an us and them situation Mm. Uh, and then later on, I actually got to know this guy um, through through trials and, and and that sort of thing. And I think he his vibe further cemented that for me. Um, 
with an us and them type of attitude. Um, and, and only later in my life that I met other people, maybe guys like Brandon and some other friends that sort of maybe dissipated that idea of somebody going to a sex or St. George's or, mm. or Bishop's. But for a very long time, I had that prejudice of like, fuck those hours, regardless <laughs> of race, you know? Um, mm, and that's very fair, man. Yo, yeah. that's very fair. That's very fair because I, 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 I hear that and I think to myself that I think, I, I, you know, the sacrifices. So so you're there. Yes, I'm there. But even though I'm in that uniform, our story is not the same until we go home. Yeah. But when you come play us at that school, you better know, you know, that, that I guess I'm representing St. George's. But if we meet socially outside Cavendish, we're all the same. It's different, you know. But I agree with you completely, man. Yeah. I agree. Even when I would go and visit Zimbabwe, um, I knew that things had gotten bad in Zim. And I wouldn't go there with the things that I had because of what it may have meant. And I, and, and I yeah. think being cognizant and acknowledging the privilege that someone may be perceived to have or may have in themselves, whatever, whatever, definitely is, 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 is some kind of barrier to play or against you, for you or however. But you got to either write it out or know it, but you can't just ignore it. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's the individual, like, like you said again, that... One individual guy, he he cemented it, but then there were other people I met later that sort of broke that mold, right? So yeah, I man. think it's depending. It's very situational, depending on who you meet. I'm sure if I met you at that time, I would have a totally different idea of Saint George's. Um, yeah. But like at the time, that was the dude I met. He was a got ticket, you, man. You know, and I got like, you. you know, fuck him. But I think also, <laughs> but I think also what it is is um, opening yourself up and also. Going out, putting yourself out in yeah. meeting people from different backgrounds. Like even myself, I went to a school in a township where ninety-nine point nine were coloured people, and I think that's a difference maybe to others where we, we didn't have much diversity at at our school. So yeah. it was just us in a little bubble, and we honestly up until university, I did not know sex existed, bishops existed. Heck, I didn't even I didn't know Constantia existed. Like it was just in the Grassy Park, Lotus River area, mm. we were there, and whoever, the ta- we knew the taxi drivers, we'd go to, to and there no malls, but we'd be so stuck in that current environment, and up mm. until I went to university and met people from different spheres of, of life and different socio-economic backgrounds, where you kind of open up your eyes, but there are some guys who come from the area who still have a chip on the shoulder and are not open listening to, to the stories of people from the other side they were just blindfolded by by the animosity towards the privilege yeah. someone else might have whereas if you come and openly find out they're just as human as you they feel the same things some stuff might hurt them just as much as you you might say there's nothing <laughs> because you might think your hurt is is more is more justified than this but at the end of the day everyone feels their own feels, I guess. And yeah, once feels, you can learn yeah. that, you can toler- tolerate it, it becomes if, much more easier. Even um, when it's in their own feels, bro. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the quote of the day. Hilton Stroud, everyone feels their own feels. <laughs> everyone feels their own feels, yeah, Dot man. Com. <laughs> Trademark that shit, put it on a t-shirt, yeah, stamp that shit down. No, no, that's because what, what I get, coming from where I come, especially university, it's almost like 
people try to outgetter each other, try to yeah. make yes. himself. Facts. My struggle, my struggle is worse than yours, and it actually it actually becomes it means nothing. Like yeah. yes, we all struggle, and yours might be less, but to that same person, it's they feel like that is the end of the world. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> you struggle just in a better car. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Because I get a lot, like, especially when, yeah. when I when I meet up with my old friends, it's almost like competition. Yeah, competition of who had it worse growing up. But <laughs> <laughs> I was Today, born in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't matter where you come at, it's where you end up. Papa. And then where you come from, yeah. it's where you end up. Whatever situation you're in, whatever tools you were given, and making the best of it, and just being you. And being the best you can be, yeah. Do you know? Do you Do you know what is what is what is what is crazy? Like Doom can attest to this. Is we matriculate in two thousand and five? Eh? Mm. Yeah, two thousand and five. We are a group of about nine of us. We'll added a few along the way, but we still have a WhatsApp group going today, and we still talk to one another, <laughs> like. <laughs> It is crazy. Yeah. Oh, today I'm laughing, and I'm not going to give this guy a shout out. Um, Ryan Rudolph. Um, Ryan Rudolph once told me, like, maybe why do you think the the, the means of it went to like the squire schools? I just think their WhatsApp groups go, the names are sicker, reach.com, or like, you know, <laughs> too rich for you. <laughs> WhatsApp groups. And they second think about caviar, caviar on their lunches and, you know, which painting they would like to, to work. Do you know, <laughs> but, do you know what's, what's crazy is that the thing is that what solidified our, our sort of um, friendship is, like, things that happened at school. Like, yeah. there was some mad, mad shit that went down. Like, that we just got blamed for, just randomly. <laughs> like, I remember that, yeah. Everyone... Yeah, so I won't get into the nitty-gritty about that. But, like, I'll just give you an example. Something that happened at school. Like, we in this one building, which is literally just outside of the office. Oh, sorry, upstairs of the office. Something happens on the other side of campus by the front gate. Three colored boys get called into the... I, I do, you were with, weren't you? <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't remember. No, 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 you, no you weren't with. You no, weren't no, with, no. you weren't with. There were three of us that got called into the office. And I was like, bro, like, what the hell's going on? Why am I getting called into the office? Oh, no. Then they gave the whole spiel of what happened. But apparently it was a it was a, a prank yeah. that uh, another kid played on another kid. Um, and they took his phone. Mm. But we got blamed for this. And we were literally sitting in an Afrikaans lesson. <laughs> upstairs. Yeah. Upstairs of the principal's Yo, man, office. You see. Yeah. Yeah. See, so man, again, that's... different struggles, different because <laughs> yeah. I would never have been blamed for that. Like yeah. I, in my school, I'm the innocent party, right? I'm the bro with the fair skin oh, that plays chess. I, you know what I'm saying? I see you. You see, nobody's blaming me for jack shit. Like, it's like nobody's ever gonna blame me. Like, and also that's the thing. Like, because I look like I look, even in uh, certain situations, I remember sitting. At opposite um, Loftus, what is Loftus called now? Hilton Supersport Park. Oh, fair enough. the rugby field. The, yeah. the rugby field still called Loftus. Okay, Loftus. We so we're sitting sitting on the, on a bench, and oh, in the opposite bench is like is my friend Kwanda. Shout out Kwanda Castle, legendary captain, one of a kind, best moisturizer in the game. 
Um, <laughs> that's that story. That's that story. Go deeper. Nah, it goes deeper. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing about Quanda. Moisturizer. Pun intended. Pun intended. First of all, Quanda. Quanda was a personal hero of mine. Like, he was a year older than me. My first, like. I was in the province team and like my first like senior time like you know one of the older boys um, he was my captain but he's also like my roommate and Kwanda used to lotion his entire body when I say entire body he'd wake up like a half an hour earlier just to get this done so I'd wake up with Kwanda sitting on his bed like lotioning <laughs> and he'd he'd tell me eh, today we're going to win 10 more I, I, I dreamt it I dreamt that we were going to win Tindall and you were the star and he literally told me something like that every morning I, I don't know how I'm the star every game but apparently I was <laughs> and we're sitting across and we're on a free day we're just around in the area in Pretoria or whatever and this white kid sits next to me like an Afrikaans guy or whatever um, and he says Kijk die keyword to me. Um, I said that I do naxi. And so I was like, what are you, we sitting here doing nothing? First of all. Like, and so when I spoke to him, obviously, uh, the, uh, the colored accent, I said, bro, we, we all sitting here doing nothing. We in a team. Why are you lumming here? Are you catching a bus? What's your bus? And the look on this dude's face. <laughs> was like oh fuck I'm de- I'm done for I don't I don't fucked up they're gonna kill me uh, uh, the, you know the colored people out in full force you need to fuck me up and he got up and he started to walk like of the weirdest fucking walk I ever saw like he was tiptoeing and then I said bro we can see you why are you tiptoeing? <laughs> it's not a Pink Panther movie, bro. <laughs> and he, he started running down the road. And he said, Pink Panther's a puss! And he just... I don't know what Pink Panther did to him. But he just, Pink Panther's a puss! And he just fucking uh, booked it down the road. <laughs> it was the maddest experience I've ever had. But it's also the first time I'd been directly confronted with with like proper, you know, out there racism. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this dude doesn't know the half of this, of, of how capable and how fucking hardcore Kwanda is. Like if you take it on a scale of one to 10, if you're picking teams, you know, just as people, and as like a motivated person, fucking pick him every day. So like, it was the first time I think I was 15, I think. And it's really sat with me for like a long time as like a sort of, an underlying hatred um, that, you know, later had to be sorted out when I was older. Mm. So oh, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it is something that can stick with you in various ways. And if you don't let that go, like you said, Doom, if you don't let that go and choose love, um, you mm. it's always going to be something that's going to hold you back and going to cool. be something that you're going to be burdened with for the rest of your life. And that's a fair thing to say, burdened, because I, I think it's, you can't just choose something else over something else. You have to like work on it, eh? Cause, yeah. and at the same time, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm off Twitter as well because shit will piss me off and take me right back to day one. You yeah. know, where you, you wake <laughs> you up in the out. morning and you read something that'll mess your day up at 4 a.m. The day haven't started yet, but at 4 a.m. you're pissed off and, and you're already feeling that type of anger. And I think quite often, um, 
my triggers because you know obviously injustice is real bro we are of that era when we sang sub a i think you're working on a lot already you know yeah. so so yeah. i i think we constantly now decide what will piss us off what won't and when it gets to us how we react it's not just a blunt object anymore hopefully yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think there's people that aren't gonna always there's always gonna be people that choose date above above love but i think it's an overall thing if i think if anybody can take for me if somebody takes anything from this podcast today it's i would always advocate to choose the the latter as opposed to the former yeah um, yeah, and I think with, with, with regard to what you were talking about your creative journey as well, and with Hilton mentioned earlier, I mean, I was there the day that Hilton said he didn't even know that sex existed, and he thought SP, SP was right, am I right, Hilton? SP. South Peninsula. Yeah. South yeah. Peninsula was like the maddest school that the they cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. <laughs> and, and what's funny is that I didn't know what's, what where South Peninsula was and what that hey, school but was. No, hey, no, I had no. no idea about that school. SP is a good school. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, Compared to and, sex, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then there's levels. Then, then yeah. there's levels. It's there are those exactly. bishops' cats and all yeah. those cats. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, and that living in, 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 those, in these areas can become a little bit of a microcosm. Mm. Um, I'm not going to get into the story, but I have actually met somebody that has never left Mellenberg. Ever. No. He's never left. Like he, He's not even gone to like the CBD or like what? or something. He's legitimately never left Manenberg and it became a fear for him to leave that place. Wow. Better the devil you know. You know? That's yeah. his sort of attitude. And so you can get into that mindset where you just there. And so like for somebody like you that's so well traveled and it's been all over, all over the place and he's experiencing those things and you have those stories to tell or whatever it's the polar opposite of that. Like, it's the exact opposite. And so we need to understand that there are some of our people out there that are just stuck. Um, mm. And, like, I, that, these are some of the stories that I want to be telling. Like, I want to be telling those pure, like, for lack of a better word, colored stories mm. that aren't mm. represented in, like, we watch TV and you're always hearing this brand, like, in the cuckest colored accent. Dude, he's like a fucking hardcore gangster. Oh, comes, what's it, guy? Comes. All stereotypes. (laughs) Stereotypes. And like, like we all come from different places. I want to highlight the North versus South joke that everybody, the Budapest curtain vibe. Mm. You know, like all of those types of things (laughs) where people, yeah, fuck the North. You heard it first here. (laughs) 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 South side. Southside. So, so. Yo, we're starting a war. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. We take Let's leave the tribalism, guys. Take the tribalism. Take the tribalism. Let's take backs. Study, take backs. Take backs. Nobody from the north. Nobody from the north. Come at me, please. We love the north. Because you're with our brother there, they can move us. So, um, we love us, not fighters. Yeah, no. But, but, but uh, there's one thing on, on, on a point that. Obviously, once finding out about the sex boys and the Rondebosch boys, I really admired or really oh, respected the camaraderie they had post-school, mm, even mm, during school. Yeah. Like, there's something yeah. special about the old boys club and yeah. how they still connect, how they look out for each other. It's something really that, that I saw that, yo, like even us in our communities, we should have that where we look after each other just through the connections and the memories yeah. we shared yeah. when we were young. 
and I do don't see it happening. It's almost like like you you guys say you have a WhatsApp group with with the guys in the high school. I can speak of one person I've still kept in contact with from high school. Wow. Just we've all moved. Some has become taxi drivers. Some has been gangsters. Some is, some has been shot dead. But mm. but where maybe if we kept in touch over time, we could have helped each other out. And you understand, like just yeah. that, that that old boys club is something I really think that that is missing in the community, especially where I come from. Completely. I, I agree completely. Yeah. And I think I took it for granted up until you said what you said, because I, I see how people farm these old boys clubs and give jobs to each other yeah, and yeah. somehow develop some kind of wealth system amongst each other. You hear of people saying, no, my golf buddy. No, that's actually the WhatsApp group from Matric. That's yes. actually the other group from that. Yes. And now yeah. they're spending together. They're having like a bribe because you opened up a company, not because yeah. we're all talking cack 24-7. There's like a a, 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 a a comfort that they add. You're right, guy. You're so right, man. Yeah. And I don't think that's just like, because I, I was lucky enough to have a different like type of childhood when we were on tours and playing for the for province and stuff and various types of people and we also created a sort of a old boys old teammates it wasn't just boys i suppose boys and girls but we had all the a lot of our teammates we have a whatsapp group with shitload of people in right now and everybody's doing so many so many different things cool shit some people are like professors in berlin and other people are like human rights activist lawyers and doctors and you know and then you get other brother that's just like a professional chess coach Another brother that's a school teacher. There's so many different types of people. Mm. But we have that kind of camaraderie that we're speaking about. And it, but it wasn't from the school you went to. It was from the provincial setup we went to. Or, so that can mm. be created in its own right. Like, like, it can be created, not necessarily... Let's look at like the difference between UWC and UCT. I think like people from UWC... If you look at the connection we have, like, to brew, uh, like both of you can attest to this, Brandon and, and, and Milton. Mm-mm. You yeah. go to a, a party, brew, you see a bra from UWC, <coughs> you never lumped with that bra ever at campus. He notices you and you notice him, and you're like, oh, hey, UWC, brew, we have a conversation, oh, you know, it's that kind of a vibe that togetherness. First of all, my theory is because there's fuck all to do, like, there's only a sassel. So all you're doing is lumming, talking cack to each other all, the, all, all day, making up random shit on campus. Mm. I mean, yeah, second of... Stellenbosch, like, with the cinema there. Yeah. <laughs> Sick, yeah, so so everybody's <laughs> just there, right? And second of all, it's that vibe of that shared experience that, like, if you went there and had those shared experiences, but those shared experiences aren't necessarily created by the university themselves. Um, that's created by the people that's in the university, independent of the university. We created a tournament that was based on... Uh, a group of brasser talking cack to each other about uh, who's the best football team is and then we had a yeah. formal tournament for 10 years um, but that was we created that the university didn't necessarily create, they facilitated it later on but the initial couple of years was just us coming together on a Wednesday and tackling the cack out of each other hmm. so like th- there is a call for we can do it ourselves we just have to have the foresight to do that hmm. um, I don't think it's always i mean it's super cool that um, sex and those guys do that but i do think people have to recognize that it's we can do it ourselves we don't have to have those institutions mm. making things happen for us I, I have a group of friends that i've been friends with since we were eight years old we are vastly different people you know this or both of you know this mm. vastly different people but we've made an effort to stay together and stay 
always supporting each other, mm. whether that be with regard to our careers and our relationships or every, all those types of things. So I do think that that's something that you have to work at that you can create in your own. But also, Reems, I, th- I think there's also, you know, you get healthy competition, but then you also get unhealthy competition. I think, mm, yes. especially Aiders, there's an unhealthy mm. competition where it's I win ahead of you or yes. if I don't if I don't succeed you must yep. not succeed yeah. or you must fail mm. so I can feel better about myself you can, it's not a case of I succeed and, I, and everyone else succeeds together it's a case of I, if I if I'm not where I want to be I'm, I'm damn sure want gonna, to fail yes, the next person or, you understand unhealthy competition a, such a such a such a good there's, point there's not a healthy competition yeah. Um, yeah. and that's the cool thing like we, we can all eat like we can, mm. we can all eat that's the thing there's enough for all of us and you, you so, so right about that. It's always about, look at that, but I check here, look, he's stunting. The dude's worked hard for what he has. Now he's, maybe he buys a new car, you know? Now somebody's saying, oh, kijk for die man. Now he's yeah. or whatever. It's such a common thing in our culture. As opposed to like going to that man and saying, yo, but how did you do this? How did you get to where you are? Help me yeah. uh, and let's work together. And, and I'm sure if you, I can tell you now, and to anybody listening that's in those situations, I can tell you now, 80% of the time to 90% of the time, if you go to that person and speak to that person with the right sort of intention and say, bro, where do I go? How do I learn? How do I grow? How do I get to the point where I can be and be doing the things that you're doing? Like people going to, to, to Doom and saying, yo, bro, you worked so hard, you did these things. Um, how did you get there? You know what I'm saying? Um, mm. And I'm sure everybody, I mean, the way you're speaking now, you've already given that information out. And that's free for everybody to have. Mm. So now it's up to those people to take up that mantle and go and do those <coughs> things. You can't go to, um, going, you can't go in that meeting and say, I deserve more. Uh, you can't go in that meeting and say, I'm a, you're using me as a toothpick for them. They have to go do those things themselves. But what they can do is get the advice um, from people that have been there and I think there's too many uh, people out there that feel like they're giving away you know basically is the term um, if they mm. go out and ask for trade advice, secrets trade yeah. secrets but mm. just listen give what you give what you have uh, you, mm. you'll, you'll reap so much from it later but, on yeah but dreams but I think that look at that of not giving trade is not human nature I honestly believe and I might be wrong that in us as human beings, there's this need to share. And yeah. it, it happens through storytelling, it happens through passing on knowledge. <clears throat> it's it's the, the one to have a child or the next generation <clears throat> to pass on a knowledge. There's this need inside of us to pass on knowledge. And that's why, as you said, 80% of people will do that. Yeah, but they, they I, I, I feel it's unnatural. People who are, who are, who are withholding information, it's unnatural. Because honestly, I feel, especially as, uh, as Africans in this continent, where the spirit of Ubuntu, Mm. Of, of, of working together, tribe, surviving together. We really have that of passing on knowledge. It's just the case of, I don't want to go into this, but it's a capitalist mindset that has yeah. forced us into this rat race where we need to be ahead. But actually, it's in us by nature to share and uplift each other. And, and I feel we should get back to that. And Definitely. I feel we've kind of lost it along the way mm. through yeah. westernization or, or, or whatever yeah. we saw on TV. But really, the, the, and I see, and I do see it coming up, and I see it. Uh, the youth, especially, is being pushed through, through as we spoke earlier about social media. People are sharing knowledge for free on YouTube, yeah. on TikTok, 
and, and the youth is really pushing it and there might be pushback mm. from the older generation as we go ahead but soon <laughs> that will too pass but it's just keeping that spirit especially amongst us and I think as Africans as much as we should share yeah. and spread it across <coughs> obviously first within your own community and then broader to your province to, to, to the country and then to Africa but there is this need and I think it's human nature it's na- it comes natural for us to share it's unnatural what we're doing right now with holding that information yeah. I honestly believe that this is the last point before we before we wrap up because yeah. I think we 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 got into a hell of conversations here. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. and I think this shit can continue too we'll love to have you on again at some point because I think there's so much more we can unpack here um, yeah it's been good guys I think and to to latch on to Hilton's point and to just further that and to drive on the point again guys whoever's out there whoever's listening we don't need others to do it for us we can do it among our communities we can do it among ourselves I, 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 yes we the government um, should be doing things for us they owe us certain things and they should be we pay taxes and we do things and we work and whatever <coughs> I understand that and I'm not in, invalidating that point at all but what I am saying is that if we want things to move faster and we want things to progress I think that as a community and as as, as a as a as a nation like Hilton mentioned the Ubuntu thing we should be doing those things for ourselves yeah going to find opportunities for ourselves and stop relying on the next person to do those things for you yeah I and creating opportunities for others yeah as think, we uplift ourselves we create exactly. opportunities for others and too. I think Doom is yeah. a super super good example of doing just that going yeah. out there and going to find those things demanding his, his, his piece of the pie and he did that himself and like uh, he did that because he believed that he was worth it and i think the takeaway is ask for what you think you deserve yeah. i think that's a super good point like i and like I, I think that's something that i really took from uh, when, when i was reading your story and we were speaking today um that's something that everybody should be or whoever can try and go, go in here and do are we gonna hmm. close off yeah. any parting Parting words, uh, Doom. Doom. Before, before, before we do that, um, Doom, uh, plug, plug yourself. Any any websites or links that people can check out? We'll drop everything in the the bio, of course. But yes, that the guys can. Yes, please check out uh, dumiso Check out my Vimeo page and uh, dumiso on Vimeo. My Instagram right now is going through a nice phase. I'm just uploading stuff. Work when I've got something to say. Check out dumiso on Instagram. But my yeah, just look out for the work. I think the work is going to be spread and socialized real, real soon. More of it to come. Nice. Okay, I'm looking stuff, forward man. to that. Okay, um, <clears throat> Doom, we have this new thing where we want our guests to sign off for us. Um, mm-hmm. So put on your best top filling, filling voice and, <laughs> and, and sign us out. <laughs> and what is there anything I'm going to say in particular? No. Nah, the just show's name? Yep, it's the Don't Know Show. It's the Don't Know Show. Mm. All right, guys, I just want to say thank you very much for having me tonight. <laughs> and um, yes, it's been a beautiful night. We've all had fun. Katleko, anything from your side? Oh, Katleko is <laughs> not going to say anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't catch us tonight, catch the repeat on Sunday afternoon, and that's us. Space of the good life. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks a lot, bro. Thanks a lot. Signing out for me. Right, man. Cheers. Bye.
Thanks, dude. Cheers, Shot, bro. Yo, that was Cheers, great. Thanks, too, man. Cheers. Thank you guys for chatting. It's been good.